Hey, what's up, Underground? Uh, we are back this week with Brian and Rob, and we are going to take a couple of weeks, three weeks, and walk through a bigger conversation on the gospel. So we've been in a long series of uh, what it means to have an underground paradigm, what it means to have a movement idea, think a movement paradigm, uh, and we have kind of wrestled through a lot of those uh, mental shifts that we need to make. And one of the things that we haven't really spent a, a ton of time on, but we've alluded to a lot, is what is a holistic understanding of the gospel? And how do we get after that? And so we have in the underground kind of a, a three ways of looking at this, understanding the holistic gospel, that there's the whole story, there's the whole expression, and the whole life. And so we're going to break this up into a few different segments so that uh, it's easier to access. So you can come back and listen to it a few times so you can pass this on to people. Uh, but we hope this is helpful because this is the framework we've lived into. Like we've spent enough time talking about it internally and wrestling it out over years that this is the framework now in which we see we see the world through this lens. And we see it through a gospel mm -hmm. lens and we have kind of this holistic understanding. So we wanted to spend some time around this, really give it to you, because this is kind of what's behind and informing uh, the way that we've approached this podcast and some of the conversations you're, you're going to hear about planting the gospel or having gospel conversations. How do you speak good news to people? How does it speak good news to you? It's because it's so much bigger than the language that Rob has used and will use in a few minutes is moving from a saved souls to a saved holes gospel like as you make these kinds of shifts it changes the way you think it changes the way that you speak and so that's what we want to do and we hope this is helpful as we walk through this again this more holistic understanding of gospel so rob i'll let you jump in there yeah um it's you know it's interesting um you and i are both sort of products of western Christianity, church rats, <laughs> Baptist, Baptist, <laughs> Western Christianity, <laughs> That's right. Baptist church rats. Yeah, we sat on linoleum uh, floors in the church basement, saying "Jesus loves me." This I know. The Bible tells me so. <laughs> yeah, we memorized hundreds of verses, and we rocked the sword drill. Yes, the sword <laughs> drill. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because. Um, I think, in, you know, in the tradition that um, we've grown up in, it's um, like what gets labeled discipleship a lot of times is really just a data dump. It's like uh, Bible information and doctrine is key. And unfortunately, it's like there, there's been not as much concern on whether or not people are actually transformed or are they even multiplying by seeing new disciples emerge? It's like almost wasn't even on the scoreboard. And I'm not just trying to like tear down. I'm so grateful I grew up in the church, but I'm just being honest, you know, like, and it's, um, and like the job of the pastor is literally like, you're just supposed to curate inf Bible information and just keep giving it to us over more and more and more and more. And we all know, and then what happens, like you felt this, I felt this when we've been in kind of the organized expression of the church, you start to feel like you're like slaving over sermons and curriculum and, 
classes and you know services because you just want people to get the right content because if they will it's like then they'll change and you know what it just doesn't work (laughs) you know um and in fact if you think about jesus story the most like content focused theologically trained people were the ones who who were his worst enemies Mm. (laughs) like it somehow the content made them cruel it made them bigoted yeah so this is a super important conversation. Like if we get this wrong, we may actually become evil, even though we're getting like the Pharisees were, they were getting the best, most orthodox, biblical, what we would call biblical information, but they ended up being terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. If you know, it, you know, um, and I just say, if you're listening to this, take a look at the last six to nine months in America, how the Christian's doing. Hmm. It goes back further than that. I mean, yeah, I'm just I, saying uh, recent, we, recent we built, events. Sorry. Yeah, we built a platform we could jump off of, though. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a there there is a historical sort of perspective over the last few years. You know, Barnes put this. This isn't just us making this up. I mean, we're yeah. talking about the premier researchers between Lifeway and Barna, uh, Ligonier. I mean, several uh, different of. Uh, you know, the people that we would look at as the greatest researchers are like, man, the perception of, uh, of just the general population towards believers is not in a good place and going downhill. Right. And it's not like it. One of the things that we have to say here, too, is like, don't take that as like, well, I'm just living my faith. And, I, you know, that's persecution because they don't like me because I'm just staying true to the Bible. It's like, no, it's because people are are not are not representing the loving father that has rescued us the way that he has rescued us and loved us the way that he has loved us and expected us to love people the way that, you know, like while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right. That's the kind of love that we should be in turn mirroring. And the reason we have a bad perception from what we're being told by these great researchers is we're not really demonstrating that level of love. It's not, it's not some level of persecution or whatever. Yeah. And it, to me, Brian, what you're bringing up, it reminds me of uh, Ephesians chapter three. So Ephesians is so foundational for us in the underground. It is our blueprint for everything that we do. And uh, in that passage, he talks about, um, being rooted and grounded in the love of God. He's like, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. It's about Jesus living in and through you. And it's a mysterious process. He basically says, you know, you have to be rooted and grounded in love. And then he talks about, and you have to be in community. Like you have to comprehend with all the saints. So you can't get this by yourself, just studying a book. Like you, you need the other saints together to be able to understand the, was it the length and the width and the breadth Mm-hmm. the love of christ and then i love this praises it surpasses knowledge mm-hmm. and, and so what does that mean <laughs> it's like this surpasses knowledge and i think what he's saying is you know when you take this knowledge-based approach bible information only approach you're missing like the wonder and the mystery and it has to be spirit empowered. It has to happen in community. It's, um, and so what, this is where I, I'm hoping we go today is um, like, what's, 
you know, what, do, what role does content play? Um, how does it become what Paul's describing here where it, it energizes community and it energizes the mystery of, of knowing Jesus, you know, um, where the, the Bible is and the information that we're gaining from it, it becomes like a, a portal into knowing the wonder and the mystery of Jesus personally, you know, because the Bible can be weaponized or the Bible it is, I mean, it is the rule of our faith. I mean, we are radically orthodox. We are um, committed to an apostolic kind of creedal faith as the underground. Um, and what what's helped me um, know how to, I think, engage this conversation about um, why the gospel is so important is the idea of a fractal. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so one of the things that's unique about what Jesus did um, is he had a way of summarizing things like, <laughs> like, okay, here's like the old Testament and the prophets. And what you find Jesus doing is in, in, instead of making things more and more complex is, which is kind of what denominations have done. Like we're going to have more and more fine tuned, multi-layered theologies that make us distinct from everybody else. And then, the way people become church leaders is we train them into all the complexities of the doctrine. So they know it better than everyone. Jesus did exactly the opposite thing. <laughs> he took all the complexity and he'd make it incredibly simple. Yeah. So it's like all the law and the prophets love God, love people. Yeah. Yeah. All the, <laughs> 800 and 900 and something laws, depending on who you're asking at that point. Right. And it's not like, uh, what, you know, he's not cheating. He's not trying to take a shortcut. He's so he's creating what um, is called a fractal, right? Yeah. So a fractal is when you can have like an incredibly complex, something that's maybe complex out at the all the outer level. Yeah. When you go out to 30,000 feet, you see something that's massive and it is beautiful in its structure and organization. But when you get down to the base level, it's something that's repeated over and over and over and exactly. over. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the, there's it's a simple it's, um, repeating pattern. Yeah. In a system, you could in our bodies you call it DNA. Right. You know, uh, but in nature you see it like in flowers and fruits and vegetables, fractal patterns. Like look at a pineapple. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a fractal. Like look at a pine cone. Yeah, that's a fractal. Look at an ice crystal. You know, that's a fractal. Um, and it's you have a sense of awe when you actually look at these. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a, a fractal design is very simple, repeating pattern. And so a faith fractal would be like a core set of values and beliefs um, that don't have to be like intensively managed in these complicated manifestations and extensive, you know, multi-layered systematic. Uh, in fact, if you look at every great move of God, um, you don't see complex theologies. Yeah. You see like, you see a simple fractal. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> yeah. Being repeated over and over and over again. And that's what Jesus is doing with the old Testament. He's like, let me give you the fractal. It literally is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's actually, um, it's a, um, Alan Hirsch, I think, calls it simplexity. 
<laughs> of course he does. Of course, of course he, he does. does. Word. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's incredibly simple, but if you actually keep repeating it, it creates unbelievable beauty, you know, and strength. Um, but it comes down to the simplest thing. And so the gospel ultimately, which is three words, Jesus is Lord. Um, it's a three word worldview. I got that from Alan Hirsch too. Yeah. Right. And it's our, it's our faith fractal. And so like for us, this is the thing we bleed and die for literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, we've and, been having a lot of conversation around Jesus as Lord. And I'm I love that we're talking about it today again because it just keeps coming back up for me uh here lately. And it's it's one of those things like I say that and I'm like, well, why is if if you're so diehard about it, why hasn't it always been there? And it's like, well, it is. It's kind of like the it's the root foundation that's always been in, informing all of the other things. But uh, sometimes you have this return again to going like, I just need to recapture the simplicity. Like, you know, we all go through seasons where we get to the simplicity and then we start building on top of it again. And then it's like, I just need to return to the simple beauty of this. And I'm, I'm so grateful to just sort of be sitting in a season right now of returning again to the beauty of like, yeah, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? What, what do I need to strip away to get back to that again? like all these things that we've built on top of it to say three word worldview. How does a radical surrender to Jesus as Lord inform everything else? Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, uh, when you think about Jesus and his whole teaching ministry, um, he hit a ton of different topics, Mm -hmm. Um, but all of them, fit on a bookshelf that was the gospel of the kingdom. You know, that was his essential message. Like over a hundred times he talks about the the gospel of the kingdom, you know, and it's the kingdom of God is near repent and believe the good news. You know, it's Matthew saying Jesus is going to every town. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. Um, And over and over again of Jesus is telling people the kingdom of God is near. And when Jesus is saying that, um, Paul's the one who starts to highlight what that means is Jesus is Lord. He is the king, mm-hmm. you know, and he's opening um, through his life, death and his resurrection. He's saying, come on, come all by faith in me mm-hmm. into the rule, the benevolent, kind, generous, beautiful, joyous rule and reign of God. Mm-hmm. And and it, even uh, I love you know, uh, the beginning of Acts, you know, Jesus is, he's resurrected. He's uh, been making these appearances through the 40 days. And when Luke is summarizing it, he says, you know, over a period of 40 days, what did Jesus talk about? He says, he spoke about the kingdom of God. Yeah. Which is is what he had been doing. (laughs) It's the same thing he's always talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus is Lord, you know, and then right before that, right. I mean, right at the end of the book of Acts, then it's talking about Paul right? Who really became the one like in his epistles and so forth um, who elevated the importance of the gospel in a way that's changed history, you know, like he was sort of translating Jesus to the early church, his message, you know, and uh, you know, at the end of the story basically describes Paul and what did he talk about, you know, when he was in that rented house, 
and it says um, he preached the kingdom of God and talked about the Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and Acts 20. It's like, and that's all I want to do the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. That's all the underground should ever do. Like if if people could say, those people, they preached about the kingdom of God and they talked about the Lord Jesus. Yeah. You know. Now the gospel, what's amazing about it is how big it is. You know, it, I say it's, it is the biggest word in the lexicon of human history. Like there literally isn't a bigger word. No word has more meaning, more depth, more power, you know? Um, and the gospel, of course, really is, just means good news, evangelion, you know? Like that word is big enough to where it is going to redeem billions and billions of people into the global family of God. It's going to literally, the gospel is going to restore all things. It's going to renew all things. Um, and so every community, I think, has to wrestle, you know, with like uh, wrestle first and foremost with the scriptures and then kind of the witness of the church throughout all the centuries. And we are in a particular time and place. So how is it? What is our dialect for the gospel in our time and our place? And it, and it needs to be. Um, understood in our time and our place, but it has to be completely faithful mm -hmm. to the gospel that Jesus gave us, that Paul helped us understand more deeply and that the church is stewarded for um, 2000 years. So um, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. When we talk about the shift from saved souls, gospels to saved holes, gospel. Um, so when I say, I'm going to ask you a question. What's the saved souls gospel? What, what, what is that? The saved souls gospel. I think we've alluded to it over the last few weeks or so as, you know, kind of picking on it a little bit. It's just that question. Hey, uh, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you're going? <laughs> we always make the joke about how, uh, how sad and depressing that question really is. It's funny. We framed it up as good news, but we always start with this like really depressed. It's like, it's only good news in light of the fact that you just asked someone if they died tonight or whatever, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's good news if you frame it up that way. Um, but the, the saved holes, you know, the joke is fire insurance. Um, it's the about souls, you mean. Safe yeah, souls. sorry. Yep. Safe souls is fire, fire insurance. What happens after you die? Uh, it's it's the view of heaven. It's the view of uh, that we've been given about what heaven is that is actually disconnected from a biblical view of heaven and earth colliding and uh, be, making all things new. Um, so saved souls is really like, well, you're not going to burn in hell forever. Yeah, like except Jesus. Your sin problems taken care of, and now you have a seat in heaven. You know, and it's not that that's incorrect, right? It's just that it's radically incomplete. It's like a low cal, wafer thin, radical reduction to the point where if you really push that as like that is the gospel, it's almost like Gnosticism, which was this thing that infected the early church that Paul wrote about a lot. He's like, this is super dangerous, and he basically said if you if in Gnosticism was like, I get secret knowledge mm. that then allows me to elevate to a kind of a higher spiritual level, you know, of salvation. And he's like, it's no, 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 that's not, that's not what we're talking about, you know, but it, 
if the gospel literally just gets shrunk down to, okay, I have to believe that Jesus died and rose again. And then I get, you know, I get my sins forgiven and I go to heaven when I die and that's it. It's almost like, well, now I have the secret knowledge mm. and, uh, you know, check, check the box. Yeah. And what happens is if you, if you get invited into, you know, faith that way, it's just transactional. And it's like, okay, I, I bought the fire insurance policy back to business as usual. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad I got that. Nothing's changing. But nothing's changing because it just took care of my problem with death. So that's cool. Now I'll just go back to life as usual. Which is And, and, and then we try to motivate people where it's like, well, feel guilty about not doing the right thing. Yeah. And so people through willpower will try for a season to try to maybe be a little bit better. And then they sort of give up, you know. Yeah. And so we're talking, what we want to talk about is a shift to the saved holes gospel, mm. you know, which is that big gospel that we were talking about earlier, the gospel that Jesus gave to us. Yeah. That's going to change. It can change everything in us and it will eventually change everything. There will, like, there will be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation together in the global family of God and evil will be vanquished. And, uh, and heaven and earth will collide and commingle and yeah. new heavens and a new earth. And all of that is energized by the gospel. It's like every time I hear it, um, I mean, nobody can see me, but we're both just like smiling bigger. You know, it's like we know this stuff, but even just hearing it again, it's like, yeah, man, there's just joy in that. I'm just excited to hear. Yeah, it. it's so much better because like the the saved souls gospel, which that's what I grew up with. And I I mean, I got saved multiple times because I was afraid I was going to. <laughs> I really did. It's like, oh, I did big sin. I drank at the party. I'm not kidding. It's not. It's a real example. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I got to I don't know if I'm saved. I might be going to hell, you know. <laughs> and. A lot of people who've heard the saved souls gospel, it's like Jesus came saying, the time has come. Heaven is going to be available to all who accept me in their heart as their personal savior. So believe the four spiritual laws, pray the sinner's prayer, and you'll get a cosmic get out of jail free card when you die. It's like, that isn't what Jesus talked about. Yeah. Where is that? Where's that part where Jesus says that? It's like, yeah. but with the saved Paul's gospel, it's concerned about both heaven and earth in the ultimate merging of those things. It's, it, it's good news that impacts like social and political and relational and artistic and intellectual and economic. It's a spiritual revolution about an, a new humanity, a new identity, a new world. It's like, yes, that's worth giving my life to. Yeah. So I, I guess the question that's sort of probably sitting in the back of most people listening, I would assume in the back of our mind is like, all right, you started with saying you're going to view this thing from three angles. And the first one is the whole life. It's like, is this what you mean by the whole life that the gospel affects every part of life? Amen. And if so, help me understand what you mean, like holistically, what you mean, if I got to make this shift into this, what are like the practical ways to start thinking about how does the gospel affect political? How does the gospel affect artistic? How does the gospel? Yeah. yeah. I think that's where, you know, you, so for us, what we're trying to do is like, how do we faithfully describe the fractal of the gospel? So we're saying the saved holes gospel 
it, that's the, it's a thicker, more nutritious, robust understanding of the good news. And it involves the whole story, the whole expression and the whole life. And um, so the, the first aspect of that, the whole story uh, is helping people understand that the gospel is an invitation into the grand redemptive narrative that God is writing in time and space and in history. It's basically saying you're being invited into uh, the story and it's actually the story of Jesus. Jesus is the, is the, is at the center of the entire story of God, all of creation, the whole story of Israel, the prophets, all of this is being fulfilled in Jesus. And then uh, his life, his death, his resurrection, through that, he's removing all the barriers between us and God. And he's making it so we can be adopted as beloved children. And he's creating a new community, a new humanity. Israel was kind of a prototype pointing, a signpost pointing towards what is the church, which is now this multi-ethnic community of God's people. And, and since Jesus' saving work on the cross, he completed everything that needed to be done so we can enter in by faith. Uh, we're invited to join, not based off of our merits, but it's amazing grace alone. And so the whole story helps us know, like when you hear the safe souls gospel, there's no narrative there, mm. really. It, it, it's yeah. like, again, it's just like a, it's a religious good and service that I guess I make a transaction with. What the gospel is actually, it's this massive narrative that you're being invited into and it's the story that you've been waiting for your whole life yeah. where you can finally find out like who is God and who am I and why are we here and where is this going? Like the gospel answers all those questions with the true answer. Like I don't just have to watch Lord of the Rings anymore <laughs> and pretend. I don't have to just like play the latest, greatest video game to get a sense of that. You know what I mean? Or read Harry Potter. Now all, I'm, I'm reading, I'm for reading all of those. But what people don't realize is those are all just actually pointing you towards the true narrative. Mm. That's why we love those stories. Like it, they're all Christ figures. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you let that become your identity, you're settling for what's really just meant to be a signpost to point us toward the real thing. You know, so... Uh, so we let's talk about um, how do we summarize the whole story, right? Yeah. Again, like we're trying to make things a fractal. So the, for us, the saved whole gospels, whole story, whole expression, whole life. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, I think I think it would be super helpful to as we go through these to offer a tool that helps people understand, like how do you go deeper into whole story? How do you go deeper into that next phase? So. Um, I think going through a few minutes of just equipping people with understanding how we teach the whole story uh, will then set us up for that move into the next phase. Right on. So our tool for the whole story is called the story diamond. Um, and the story diamond, just imagine in front of you like a kite, like if you're listening to this, imagine just, and uh, I would just to jump in there. Um, if you go to, our main webpage for the podcast will have a link for this tool. 
uh, on that on that main page for this episode. So if you want to track along with what Rob's beginning to teach through here, uh, that that link will be there. You can download the diagram, be able to see it. So we're actually just going to walk through this training here so you'll have an understanding of it. So go or hit pause, go download that. Unless you're driving, don't hit pause and download this. You can look at it later. Just imagine uh, the kite in front of you and he'll take it from there. Right. So what we usually start with, like if I was sharing this with a friend, we, we start with the idea of story. So like everybody, like if you're getting to know someone, a question I ask a lot is like, hey, tell me more about your story. Like where you're from, what do you love? What's important to you? You know, uh, what, where, where are you headed? What do you hope, you know, to see happen? Um, what are you passionate about? And, and that's a great question because everybody you meet lives within what you could call a dominant story. And the dominant story that I'm living in, that you're living in, um, it kind of gets handed to us. It's like what our cultures told us. It's what our family told us. Um, whatever other important influences that were in your life. Um, and your, your dominant story tells you those things like, who am I? And why am I here? And where is it going? And what happens in my experience um, is we all get to points in our life where it's like, man, my story sucks. Like my story feels so small. Like I, I don't want to just be someone making widgets for, you know, someone else to make more money. And then, and then I'm like, just looking at the Ikea catalog to see what I can get next to maybe upgrade my box a little bit. It's like, what is going on? You know, or when the relationships fall apart, it's like, I thought we were going to be best friends forever. That was a big part of my story. And we're not friends anymore, you know, or I, my dad left. What? You know, and, and what we're saying is the gospel is that story that's big enough for everybody to find identity, meaning and purpose. And it's invulnerable. It, nothing can take it away from you ever. Not death, not hell, not suffering, not betrayal not cancer, like nothing, you know? So like the first thing you have to understand is the Bible is a story. It's not just a bunch of uh, books or 66 books with a bunch of thousands of mini stories with a moral attached to it. Mm. Um, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a grand narrative. And now back to the kite, there's four movements to it. Um, at the top point of the kite would be creation you know, go to what, three o'clock, uh, that would be fall, then go down to six o'clock, that's redemption, and then 9 p.m. would be restoration. So if, um, again, uh, reducing things down to the minimum, if you had to tell the story in one sentence, it's like, God made it, we broke it, Jesus fixes it, we get to join him. I love that. In the restoration project, until everything is actually better than what it was even in the beginning, you know? So the story then is revealing us like who God is, what he's done, what he's currently doing right now, what he's going to do, and then who we are, and then how we can join him, and then mm -hmm. how we should live. Um, and, and that points to, you know, if you look at that cross at the center of the, of the kite, like you just write it in the name Jesus. And we call it the story dime because if it was in 3D, that point would be coming, it'd be coming out at you. Yeah. Right. Um, and we say diamond because, you know, the diamond is the most precious stone. Mm -hmm. And this is the most precious story 
And the most precious person is Jesus. And the whole point of the story is Jesus because Jesus reveals to us who God is. Yeah. Like there's all these religions in the world and all these philosophies and there's bits and pieces of truth out there in those. But Jesus is literally the only 100% reliable God, uh, reliable guide to know who God is because he is God in the flesh. And he's the 4K um, full. He's better than 4K. <laughs> yeah, better than 4 What's well, the best we got now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Revelation of who God is. Yeah. It's And I love, again, I got this, I think, from Mount Hirsch. It's not so much that Jesus is like God, but God is actually like Jesus. Mm. Like, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That's a passage from Hebrews, right? Yes. The exact representation. Exact yeah. representation. Yeah. Um, and so we're invited into this story. And what's cool about the story is it is actually the story of what's happening in history. But as always, your it's also your personal story. Yeah, I was going to say, when you get into the language of fractal this is actually one of the ways that we help people understand their own story and then begin to retell their story as they've met jesus and found redemption and again it's not so much just a gospel presentation it's it's a whole life presentation i'm helping you see my whole life not just i'm giving you four points because i'm trying to move you somewhere it's i've got a creation narrative you know i grew up in south georgia we moved to Atlanta. I mean, I like there, I have these pieces that tell what formed me and how I was formed in those, in those places and how those people influenced me. Um, and then there's a fall piece where I understand, you know, I, I, I can communicate the moments that I realized my disconnect, the moments that I realized I'm in need of someone to redefine my story and redeem my story and rewrite my story. Um, and I can tell about redemption. I can tell the moment that I first gave my life to Jesus and surrendered that. I can tell you a whole lot of moments after that, that the, the moments you refer to as getting saved again. Um, <laughs> and then I can talk about the restoration pieces. And, and I think, I say this often, I think the restoration pieces are actually some of the most important, not that Every part is equally important, um, but the restoration demonstrates that it's beyond saved soul. The restoration piece is Amen. where we understand yep. that the whole story is influencing uh, everything else. It's like, I can tell you today how I'm being redeemed. Amen. And, That's the invitation, and, man. Get out of your seat. Get into this story. Yeah. Be transformed and be a part of the transformation mm. that's it. It's amazing yeah so that you know we went through it here what in five six seven minutes you know but that is the invitation it's it's um it's an invitation to jesus and then it's this invitation to understand uh that god is god created all that is uh there are design specs for you they're design specs for um, what God intends. And that's shalom. Let there be universal flourishing. Um, yeah, and- you're, starting to, you're starting to hit on what I was about to ask. Because 
I know we're probably coming kind of to the end of this first piece here, but it's like the question is, why is this so much more compelling than saved souls? I mean, like we, we kind of, like you said, went through it in five to seven minutes pretty quick there. We hit the highlights of it. But if I'm, if I'm someone that doesn't yet know how much I matter to Jesus, why, why does that matter more? Why is this story more compelling? Uh, because I think it, you know, it speaks to our heart's deepest longings and desires. Um, it, it, it's back to that design specs, you know, yeah. like we were created to, um, to walk with, with God in the cool of the day. Mm. That was the original plan, that kind of intimacy, fellowship, friendship, wholeness, and and he would show us all, everything about life and how it works. And, and he created us to be partners with him. He said, take dominion, be fruitful, multiply. And what God's talking about there, part of that is about intimacy, this like deep desire to be in relationship, to be known, to be loved and to love. Mm. And then, and then dominion, it's like influence, impact, like my gifts and creation and creativity and, and, and C.S. Lewis in the weight of glory talks about like the problem isn't that our desires are too strong. And a lot of times people feel like that, like, Oh, I want all these bad things. And like, (laughs) and I don't know how to say no to it. And he's like, no, no, no. It's like your desires aren't strong enough. Like we just settle for illicit sex. We just settle for getting drunk. We just settle for greed. Like, actually we need our desires to be stronger mm-hmm. and go right to the source, which is, which is God, which is Jesus, which is the good news, which is our role in the, in the kingdom and our role in this grand narrative, you know, and, and as uh, St. Augustine says, our hearts will be restless until we find rest in you. Like this is the story. Mm-hmm. This is that leads us to our true home, our true identity. And, uh, in our ultimate purpose, you know, and, and when we're summarizing the book, you know, this way, um, then we can read all the passages in light of that story and in light of Jesus. Yeah. And then we won't weaponize the Bible anymore. Yeah. I was going to say that's like the, the triple click. So, so beautiful about the tools we share is they're, they're multifaceted. Like, I mean, we call it a diamond, which is multifaceted, but it's not just, hey, here's like the story of God told this way, how your story fits into it. You know, now I read a passage from Isaiah and I can understand that I'm in this piece of, you know, post fall moving towards redemption. Yes. And I can read it in light of Jesus, in light of the finished work of his life, death and his resurrection, in light of the bigger narrative and where things are going. And now I'm not just trying to pull some moral out of it and and be a good pharisee and obey the moral right you know now does the bible have morals in it yep and i highly recommend you live them (laughs) or you'll destroy your life and ruin the world so have fun with that if you want (laughs) but the goal isn't ultimately like how do i get a moral out of every verse and then pull myself up by my bootstraps and try to be a better person yeah it's meant to be like i need to know jesus this book brings me to jesus yeah. And then after that, it's like, and then I want to be a part of his story and what he's doing in the world and know my true identity, you know? And I just, I got to be honest. A lot of us have been taught to read the book. It's been like atomized into a big book of rules and morals. Yeah. And it's like, what's the timeless principle? What's the timeless principle? Okay. Now apply it. Now apply it. Yeah. 
And don't get me wrong, there are timeless principles in the Bible. Yeah. You know, I mean, we just walked through a whole series on, um, you know, this whole idea of uh, hear and obey, discovery Bible studies. We train yeah. all of our missionaries and read a passage of scripture, ask what Jesus is saying to you and obey it. Uh, and but and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what you're saying. It's just like. Yeah, because it, it's here to be obeyed. Like, yeah, Jesus said, teach them to obey. It isn't just information go like oh i'm in a really cool story awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's like no i need to change i'm part of the evil in this world right yeah. now yeah like you know what i mean in me and then that means through me like i i need to change i gotta move from unbelief to belief i jesus is right about every area of life because he is lord right and it's i'm all, it's all informing us for the sake of our transformation yep um, and, and getting on board with Jesus. It's like, yeah. Jesus, what do you think about this topic? Yeah. Right. Now that I know you. Yeah. Now that I'm filled with the power of your spirit, I, I'm going to repent. I'm going to move from unbelief to belief and do what you say. Cause I trust you. Yeah. This is super helpful. I love hearing it again. I mean, it's one of those things. Forget the old man. Never will. It, it's so easy to slip back into, um, you know, even as you make this sort of transition into, I want to live a saved holes gospel and I want to understand the whole story in light of Jesus and in light of all that he has done and is doing still so easy to slip back into a, but did you cross the line yet? Did you get in the door? Did you have your membership card? <laughs> you know, it's like we have well, to keep pre-conversion discipleship starts yeah. happening. Yeah. We have to keep revisiting this whole story and let it inform everything yeah. else. Yeah, I know you've seen that in your context. We have, it's happened all over the underground where people, when you start sharing the story this way with people who don't yet know Jesus personally, and they start to see it in your life. Hmm. And they're like, I, I, I like that. Yeah. Like there's, there's love coming out of you and joy coming out of you. There's peace. There's something like a clarity of identity you seem to have like more teflon against the negative stuff than i do and then they start practicing it yep with you you know and they're finding like this this actually does lead to life because mm -hmm. jesus said hey try my teachings and you'll discover whether or not I, I god sent me yeah you know it's the i call it the jesus experiment it's like just try it yeah <laughs> you know and then and then eventually that moment comes where they, I, there is a conversion. There is a regeneration. We're not Absolutely. removing that. And there Absolutely. is a moment where it's like, come follow Jesus. Like, are you in, are you trusting him completely? You know, yeah. and it's important to mark those moments. And that's why we have baptism. Yeah. absolutely. You know? So, and we're counting the number of people that are getting baptized in the underground. You better believe it, man. And yeah. we celebrate it. One, one missionary couple this last weekend talked about, uh, what was it like two rededications and six people gave their lives to Christ? Yeah, that matters. It matters. Yeah. So important. We understand that move from unsurrendered to surrender and then more and more surrender. Like that's, that's the, that's the line for sure. Well, this so that's is the whole story part of the whole gospel. Yep. As a, we said it at the same time, we're concluding this section. That is the whole story piece. So, we will jump back in next week with moving to the whole expression. Yep. And if, if you have to remember this, like, what's the whole story? Just 
creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And Jesus is the center of the story. He's the ultimate revelation of who God is. And uh, we, Jesus made it. We broke it. He fixed it through his life, death, and resurrection. And we get to join him in the restoration of all things. That's it. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.